0: some price for Friday, January 26, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee, here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. Where? Do you have plans for Valentine's Day yet, Blake? I do not. I haven't struck early like you want me to. Looking for a local getaway this Valentine's Day? Call the Wall 604 331 1000. Ask for the Sakarasan price rate, which returns. Some blackout dates may apply based on availability i should clarify that
1: you're not my valentine like it made it sound like you had implored me to it's all
0: right make plans with you i look forward to the card and the chocolates <laughs> and the flowers and you know your customary approach remember she's got no expectations february 13th if you strike on the 13th you're gonna be spontaneous and that is much preferred. Snow tires than the and the big delivery. Yeah. The big delivery on Valentine's Day. Polk uh, secure some price from Wall, as mentioned. Blake's here. Grady's here. Lachlan's here. Show brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia in
1: Surrey's got the, hey, the Sportage. You think Kia, you think the Kia Sportage. Don't you finance it from 5.99% right now at Applewood in Surrey? Applewood
0: Kia in Surrey. It's all good at Applewood question. Who's the better team right now? Edmonton or Vancouver? You can vote. Sick Harrison Price, Twitter and YouTube. Asking this because, well, we have noticed all these power rankings, which seemingly have the Oilers ahead of the Vancouver Canucks by most metrics. Historic and, win streaks will do that. Well, yeah. they've won 15 in a row after their victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. On Thursday, now must be said, there's still 12 points back of Vancouver, albeit with four games in hand, having lost all three head-to-head matchups this year. So if you want to get literal with right now, it's Edmonton. You win 15 in a row, yeah, of course, you're the better team, the best team. If you want to go over the course of the regular season, which is how I meted it out, then I am going... With the Vancouver Canucks. The crazy thing is that
1: over the course of those 15 games, even if you if you just looked at that, the Canucks are still only a handful of points mm, back no, of the Oilers. eight zero 2 in their last 10. Yeah, so it, it's amazing mm. that they've been able to stay as far ahead of the Oilers as they are. In
0: terms of Stanley Cup formulas, I, I, I do wonder whether Edmonton has a better one than Vancouver. Uh, not that Vancouver's star power isn't sublime. It is. But look through the long history of the National Hockey League and guys who get to the Connor McDavid-Leon Draisaitl level, so MVPs or MVP candidates, they typically win Stanley Cups. There have been very few mm-hmm. guys who have gotten to that level for a sustained period of time and not walked away with the Stanley Cup ring somewhere. Sometimes it comes later in your career when you're not the primary guy, for example, Steve Eiserman, And sometimes it doesn't come at all if you look at Marcel Dion, who was a, an incredible player for the Kings for so many years. But more often than not, you know, the the, the superstar gets the ring. And I do think it's fair to say that Dreisaitl and McDavid have gotten to places in their NHL career that Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and J.T. Miller haven't. Of course, we often talk about it's not who's the most credentialed goalie, but who's the hot goaltender in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We saw that with Aiden Hill. Last year, I'm not sure many had Darcy Kemper as a Stanley Cup winning goaltender earlier in his career. And but what yet, are the chances
1: good... of of goalie X being the hot goalie versus right. Thatcher Demko? And so right. when you look at the Oilers unabashedly, their forward group it can go toe to toe with the Canucks, and you can probably give them the edge given the pedigree of the two big the, the big two there. Mm-hmm. But blue lines, I'll give a slight edge to the Canucks. Yeah, and goalie, I'll give a big edge to the Canucks. So. Right. You know, in in that regard, when you're breaking it down that way, boy, it sounds like a pretty fun series. And uh, I still think the Canucks can point to the standings and say, yeah. come get
0: us. I, I was looking. It's funny you mentioned defense. I was looking at the head-to-head comparison with them on defense. So who's the best defenseman in the series? If they were to happen to face each other in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. Who's got the better two? I would argue, you know, because Bouchard's a fine, fine player, but he's not Quinn Hughes. Who's better through two defensemen? I would still argue it's Vancouver, given the year that Philip Roenick is happening over Darnell Nurse. When I get to who's better one through three and we add Matthias Ekholm on the Edmonton side, then I can shade a little bit more towards the Oilers. Or say that that, that but, win evens it up. That right. through three, they're probably toe-to-toe. Right. Yeah. But uh, through six, I'm with you. I think uh, the Canucks, if fully healthy, and if what we've seen thus far from Carson Soucy and Ian Cole, of course, Tyler Myers, Nikita Zadorov continues, then I, I would give... Vancouver a slight edge. Toymaker on, is well.
1: on uh, YouTube says, remember, Oilers are on a win streak, which is usually followed by a losing well, streak. Dan retorts, this isn't just any old streak. It's historic. And that's the thing. Like If you if you lose four after this, mm-hmm. does it matter that you lost four in a row? Probably not. You just banked 15 to however many it ends up being uh, in a row mm-hmm. in the first place. So
0: they're allowed a couple losses at the end of all this. Canucks play the Columbus Blue Jackets Saturday. It's their final Game Before they get their bye week next weekend, of course, is the NHL All-Star game where a record number of Vancouver Canucks will be there, including head coach Rick Tockett. So one last chance here to get a victory. State your case for the unofficial first half. And I suspect that Rick Tockett and Adam Foote and that coaching staff has this team primed to go knowing full well you're going to have to live with this result for the better part of 10 days as the Canucks take some much-deserved time off. And, of course, we are also coming off, a week ago Monday, a loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets beyond regulation, which is not something the Canucks have done. Well, they've actually lost most of their games beyond (laughs) regulation, but... Not many losses. You, you, you don't want kid. your last four losses to be two against the Blues and two against the Blue well, Jackets. I was going to say, like, you lose the season series to Columbus and St. Louis if you lose tomorrow night, right? And given all the success you've Those had, that's on, your, like
1: that? that's on your
0: docket? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Coach Tockett was in a bit of a spicy mood on Thursday after practice, and a lot of it had to do with the way some media outlets, or at least one media outlet – well, not even outlet one headline one headline yeah. characterized his critique and we asked you yesterday on the poll Thursday whether it was fair were you okay with it his critique of Elias Petterson not just from the Wednesday game against St. Louis but over the last few games and he was none too pleased with the way it was characterized. Take a listen
2: well I didn't think he' gay last night, so of the article I blasted him I mean that's you guys I mean. But what do you want him to say? I mean, you guys are taking it to a, if Hoggy has a bad game, a couple of bad games, I, I say it, but it's not in the paper. Like, Pete's a big man. You know, he had a tough night skating-wise, I thought, it's over with. You know, he played 21 minutes. He's not on the end of the bench, so we're, we're taking this to a different level. Like, yeah, it's different. I, I was on your side as a media guy, right? And I get it. But you guys got to analyze the game too. You got to understand certain things too. So it's not talking it has a problem with Pedersen. It's, you asked me a question, who was good, who was bad. So I got to be careful because if, if you guys are going to ask me questions now, a player, I'm not going to say no comment. I'll let you guys analyze it. So you guys got to be careful. That's not a big deal. He's out there smiling. It's not a big deal. So maybe it's a story that we're, we're winning a lot and we're looking for negativity. That's the way I look at it. Not to blast you guys. It's just frustrating because it's, it's you know over the, net, the internet talking blasts at Pettersson. So I don't know how I blasted him. I just said he had a tough night.
0: And that's fair. And this is the first time that we've heard Rick talk at take any umbrage or push back at all. But it's not fair. There's yeah. no example well, there of anybody no saying like, It was just clearly not a blast. Yeah. I think um, we
1: all were in 100% agreement with what he
0: said. Well, we'll we all heard the... what he said, and we said, yeah, yeah that's fair. That's good. Mean, good. Take a look at the poll question comments. Uh, 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 there are very few people aligning with Elias Peterson. On this, are saying that oh, Kataka shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that about him, and you know, quite quite frankly, Blake, like this market is moving away from Elias right now. Uh, we are this contract matter has dragged out enough that I you see it every day now on social media, Canucks fans who want to love him but are now getting to the point of reservation because of how long this contract matter has dragged out with potentially no end in sight if he wants to stick to his after-the-season proclamation, which, as we know, makes things a little trickier for the Canucks at the deadline, but also extends the worry of will he or won't he sign an extension. You can find any opinion you want about anybody, though. No, but coming in a historic season for them, and so far, it hasn't been good enough to get Elias's name on a contract. I think that's starting to rub some Canucks fans the wrong way. True, sure. and I understand that. Yeah, some.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say the, the majority though. And and I think, you know, what he said about Elias Patterson probably rubbed a, a handful of people the wrong way as well. If that's what he's referring to, then yeah, you could probably find that on on the internet. As he said, he said on the internet. Well. Uh, again, who's feeding Rick Tockett this sort of stuff? Because it's nowhere in the media. Nobody was blasting Rick Tockett or saying what he did was blasting Elias Petterson. That's just patently false and it's misleading and it creates a new story where there is none. So uh, I think Rick Tockett should stick to his guns and continue to be the guy that yep. he is and not worry about you know steve12496 on on twitter because that's not the media that's steve12496
0: should be a song steve12496 like like jenny like jenny yeah Mm -hmm. different meaning now yeah here's lius patterson he was asked about the criticism and about his game very brief but here's what he had to say
3: yeah it's uh we play a professional game um Coach wants more of me, and uh, I'm going to try to do a better job next game.
4: Do you think that your play has dipped at all in the last couple of games, or is that just over the course of the long
0: season? You know, that's going to happen.
3: I mean, doesn't matter. That's history now. I'm just looking forward to, yeah, Columbus next game.
0: Handled well off the top. He's absolutely right. It's professional hockey, right? From time to time, your coach is going to challenge you to be better. Yeah. No shame in that. A little moan there when the follow-up came. I think he just wants to move yeah. on beyond it. I don't think he wants to linger on his struggles or on a night where the coach calls him out. Uh, also asked about the missed call on Braden Shen in overtime, which leads
3: to that Blues victory on Wednesday. Here's how Petey saw it. I mean, it is what it is, if ref, ref missed it or not. Yeah. Uh, Looking back on the clip, I had two turnovers to get them to the puck back when we had the puck on the 3-on-3. Whether three. Um, it's an on-call or not, it's not up to me. I, uh, Yeah, I can do a better job before that.
4: Were you surprised, though, that there wasn't a Like, did you think you were yeah.
3: fouled to the point that it could have been a penalty? Yeah, maybe, but then at the end of the day, you can't <laughs> leave it to the refs. Uh, how do you say? Leave it to the refs, so... <laughs> It is what it is. They took advantage of it, and yeah, it's what it
0: And more maturity there, yeah. right? You know, Wally Bono ruled, don't leave it in the hands of the refs. and uh, Take care of your stuff earlier exactly. in the shift, and it doesn't happen. And yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and and this is arguably the, the best player, arguably mm-hmm. the best forward on the Canucks. The chances of him having that shift in overtime
0: again? Yeah, we're not going to see that shift in overtime again. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Ilya Mikheyev. We are starting to wonder and worry about Ilya Mikheyev, and and Blake, you made an interesting. Con- we're going to hear from Coach Talkett here in a second on Mikheyev, but you made a interesting um, comment to me off air here earlier today when we were talking about Mikheyev and the speed, and that and that you know should be a big part of his game. One of the best skaters in the NHL is it fully back from last year in the the knee surgery. But you were saying you just don't think he plays with speed. And you drew a comparison to an ex-Vancouver. Well, there's been a lot of speedy guys that have come through this
1: market in the, in the past. And a lot of them are peripheral. People used to get so upset that Mason Raymond would blaze down the wing and then would try a wraparound, <laughs> fall down as he's doing so, et cetera, et cetera. But we saw it. We saw the speed. And it was every game we saw the speed from Mason Raymond. Did it end up in much? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yannick Hansen. We saw the speed every single game you saw Yannick Hansen's speed. And I don't think Yannick Hansen's top end speed was maybe as fast as Mikheyev's is. I don't think so, no. But we saw it. At least not a healthy McKayev. No, you're right. You saw Burroughs. You saw it nightly. Nightly. And again, whether it ends up in something, we can talk about that. We can critique that down the road. I just don't see the speed. Does it show up every once in a while? It does. It is still there. But I, I feel like he could probably stand to use it a little bit more than – and maybe that's a product of the injury. Maybe, maybe he's mm-hmm. still not feeling 100%. Maybe he's not feeling explosive enough to be able to bring that out. Maybe it needs a perfect circumstance to uh, to reveal itself. But I wish when you know that that speed is there, I wish we got up out of our seats
0: a little bit more often than we are with him. 16 games without a goal for Mikheyev. If he doesn't score against Columbus on Saturday, he'll go 0 for January in terms of a goal. His mm-hmm. last goal, December 17th in Chicago, and since then, just the six assists, three points in the month of January heading into the finale here against Columbus. Here's Coach Talkett with a critique. Not a blast.
2: No, a not, not blasting. Avilia Ilya Mikheyev. You know, I believe in Mick. I think he's a fast skater, but he's got to put himself in position to play fast. And I think, you know, him and Kuzi sometimes have a tough, they're not together. They're they're too spread apart. If you look at the other lines, whoever has the puck, the other guy's always close. You know, if Garland has it, Teddy Bluger's around. If Millsy has the puck, you know, you'll see, you know, Suter last night, they're, they're close. That's why. And I think those guys play a little wide. And then when somebody gets it, they don't have speed. Mick needs to be close to a guy with speed. And um, when he doesn't, it looks like he's skating backwards or standing around a lot. So, you know, that's the the concept with that line is to make them stay close together. You know, it's instead of wide, play wide hockey. So, um, yeah, no, he he knows he has to pick it up. You know, he's got to, he's our speed guy. You know, he's got to chase pucks down. You know, he's got to be... You know, like Hoggy. Hoggy chases pucks down. So I'd like to see Mick do the same, but he's got to, I don't think he doesn't want to. I think he doesn't put himself in position sometimes. Like instead of, you know, slashing across, it's somehow he goes a little bit wider. And I think it's just a mental thing for him.
1: I'm always happy when the coach sort of echoes something. I I'd, I'd seen the spatial part of that quote. I hadn't heard him say the other stuff. I think he's talking about the same thing I was I was mentioning. That he just
0: Show me. Yeah. Uh, you you know you always learn with talking and the wide the width. So but he's right.
1: You look at that Joshua line. I oh, call it the Joshua line. No, they're what they're, they're to? on
0: top of each other. It's incredible the, the, how often the there's chemistry. two guys in close quarters. Yeah. yeah they, they know where the other guys go on the puck. Yeah. So, let me I asked this question of uh PJ Thursday. Let me ask it to you. Is the search for a top 6 forward now? Well, first of all, do you think it can work with McKayff and Petterson going forward? And then secondly, is the search for a top six forward by the deadline is that are you viewing that now as much as for this year in a cup playoff run, but also as an enticement to get Elias to re sign that we understand we haven't provided you with the ideal line mates. We're gonna go about fixing that between now and March
1: eighth. The the future thing is a different is a difficult one to wrap your head around because uh, Petey knows the economics of the NHL. He knows the salary cap is there. And if he's going to be a $12 million player, he knows that makes life pretty hard to bring in an $8 million winger for him, a $9 million winger for him. If you're not going to steal Brock Besser away from JT Miller, you know? So, you know how much money to go around? We see how the Leafs are doing with all these multiple double digit guys. Um, now, Mikheyev itself, I think, and I'll just use Gensel as, a, as, a, as an example because he's a certified top six winger. Mikheyev, Petterson and Gensel, yeah, I think that's a decent line. Uh, Kuzmenko, Gensel, Petterson, if you want to flip somebody over, that works too. I, I just think Kuzmenko and, and Mikheyev have not in any way certified themselves now is every day, dependable, going to make something happen at least every other night, if not every night. Um, wingers. And so the third guy can really surf the two cornerstones of a, of a, of a line and Pedersen and player X would do that. A guy like Gensel, So, yeah, I think McKay is still a, still a a useful and salvageable player. Um, but you do need the other guy to lean on it. And Kuzmenko is not the guy. There was all that hope that Kuzmenko was going to be that guy, but it just doesn't appear that that's the case.
0: Um, who would – so, two-part question. If not Peterson, who does Kuzmenko play with? Where would you like to see McCaff in this lineup?
1: Well, given the way the – the Holy Triumvirate is is playing right now. I don't think you break them up. So the options are the fourth line
0: or whatever his line is. When we is. say Holy Triumvirate, we mean Suter with Miller and No, Messer? I'm
1: talking Bluger, Garland, oh, and Joshua. Okay. You can't break up the Holy Triumvirate. So
0: you, you had to be more specific yes. there because one line was just coming off a hat trick and being true. praised That's by true. coach. That one's still a work in progress, and we'll
1: see um, how that goes. I mean, I think in in any tri- I think by the deadline. I would be surprised if both Mikhaev and Kuzmenko are are Vancouver Canucks past the deadline. I would be surprised. I mean, good on them if they are. If they, if they bring in somebody I and keep both of them, because then there's good depth there. See, but yeah,
0: so I, I think I, I'm of two minds on that. Number one, the goal here should be to add without having to subtract.
1: Right, but salaries do need to go the other
0: way, most probably, unless, it goes, big, your, unless it goes to your unless it goes to your big guy. ticket yeah, players. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. for a Monahan, not for a Kevin Hayes with fifty percent retain. There are guys out there who could fit the bill mm-hmm. who aren't going to require you to move out salary, which allows you. Those are tier a deep two Carolina. guys. though.
1: Those are tier two guys. Yes, they are below. Uh, sure. yes, they are. Yeah. yes, they are. Yes, they are. But yeah,
0: they're tier two guys who are also also aren't going to cost you this year's first round pick and a or an Electra, Electra Mac, or Brstevic or or some sort of. Player prospect pick package, Mm -hmm. right? If if you're in on Lindholm and Gensel, you're probably in on moving three assets, Mm
5: -hmm.
0: and including they want a a roster roster player, player, player. yeah, including a roster player. Yeah. So there's that. My say, the both Russian wingers were specifically wooed and signed by this management group, and this is the. 2 your anniversary of Patrick Alvin. The previous management group did not like to acknowledge their mistakes. We know this. Mm-hmm. I don't get the same vibe from this group. Well, Rutherford has a long history of moving quickly off, quote-unquote, mistakes. Right. Like, yeah, we evaluated that guy incorrectly.
1: And let's cut bait sooner rather than later because the asset is most likely just going to get worse and more difficult to trade. So I, I, I don't get the feeling that that is necessarily
0: an impediment. I just think that Mikheyev has the tools to play Rick Talk at hockey, not to mention the fact they're not the fastest team to begin with, and he does bring an element of For speed sure. that would make them slower. Yep. Now, if you think it's going to be a more plotting version of the game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, then okay, maybe that helps uh, convince yourself that you can move off a player like McAvoy, but I'd sure as hell want him in a lineup with Connor McDavid. I'd sure as hell want him in the lineup versus a team like Connor McDavid that can push pace.
1: Well, and I love the fact that Rick Tocket is asking for more speed from McAvoy because that leads me to believe the, the coach is pretty sure that he's he's got it that it's not a health issue that you know the knee is fine and all right. that sort of stuff. Like he's probably seen it in practice, seen the guy in full flight going, okay, he's fine. Let's see it in the game a little bit more often. So if the coach is pretty sure that that's available to him and he just needs to put himself in the right position, then then yeah, uh, that speed is very valuable. This is not a fast team. They're a quick team. I think they move around okay. They're not slow, but they're not fast. Um, they don't. They're, that's not going to be the takeaway from any opposition coach or player coming away. They're not going to go, wow, that team's fast. I think they say, wow, they're good, they're skilled, they're well-coached, all that, but fast is not going to be an adjective that we hear them use.
0: And I bring it back to McDavid and the Oilers to uh, bring this full circle and bookend the conversation. Oilers, Gold Knights in the first round, Canucks get the wild card, perhaps like in Nashville. That's the dream scenario. That would be the right? dream scenario.
1: you got to be careful what you wish for, and upsets happen, so it's, no one's guaranteeing they're in the second round, they face
0: Nashville. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you had to draw it up, I think that's what it is. Now, secondly, of course... We would all hope for a seven game triple overtime drooling series between the Knights and Oilers in round one if that comes to pass.
1: Golden Knights are pretty heavy team too. Like they could they could leave a, a bruise on the Oilers so, if the Oilers
0: won. Next question and two parter again, and it may be one in the same. Who would you want to see emerge to play the Canucks in the second round? Again, should it come to pass from a just entertainment? fan, maybe media standpoint who do you think they're better served playing to get through if that were to come to pass in the second round yeah, again so careful for what you wish for here night still scary we're me. having some fun yeah. here and okay we're going to the all-star break exactly. so it's a time to have some no, fun. exactly like we're we're going to start pointing forward more yeah. and more to the Stanley Cup playoffs we're getting closer we know the Vancouver Canucks are going to be there yeah. and there's a very good chance that they're going to be there as the top seed in the Pacific Division with home ice advantage in, well, potentially all four rounds, but at the very least in the first and second round.
1: Eventually, the reigning Stanley Cup champions lose steam. But it's not usually in the second round, I wouldn't think.
0: Tampa and Pittsburgh have now repeated, so we're done with that. Nobody repeats in a cap era. But I don't think you're going to see the,
1: you know, the true symptoms of, oh, God, they had a long year last year till, till the third round. So mm. I I would be a little bit scared of the Golden Knights, to be honest, depending mm. on their health, depending on their health. Also, I'll have that oh, as well. the caveat. But let's assume just the normal health, uh, bunks with bruises of a first-round series. Um, I'd be more scared of the Golden Knights. And, man, it would be fun versus the Oilers, too. So I, I think I would hope that the Oilers come through – the Canucks will have some mojo not hopefully not overconfidence against facing an Oilers team we spanked them a bunch in October mm-hmm. um but they would know that they, they are beatable yeah. um and again i just like the matchups that you know defense and goaltending would be in the Canucks favor and and i i would say that would be that would be the ideal path uh, a five or six game win over whomever they get in the wild card face edmonton in the second round and then yeah. see what happens well
0: i'll say this um i would be more scared of edmonton um, yeah, would you? Well, because of the McDavid hey, dry yeah, side yeah. And the fact that their are might just be better than whoever Vegas is. You can say is, that about but, anybody, though. Right. What do you mean? Well,
1: any hot goalie can, can trump your hot goalie. No, fair too, enough. So. But what I'm
0: saying is, like, Stuart Skinner has 30 more games here whereby we might be looking at him in a different vein if this winning continues yeah, maybe. with the Canucks. The second thing that I'll say is... uh I absolutely want to see the Canucks and Oilers, a all Canadian matchup. At some point, yeah. And, I mean, Canadian cities and the energy and the excitement and everything that goes into a Stanley Cup playoff series is just a different animal than a place like Las Vegas, Nevada. All right, coming up, Frank Saravelli's is going to join us. We'll get to some hashtags, JPad and. Lachlan's going to join the show as well. Today. Lachlan, yeah, he's been writing for Canucks Army for uh, since twenty twenty one. So, and he's got a piece coming up on, on the mic. on oh, okay. Neil's Hoaglander.
3: Okay.
0: Joined now by NHL insider Frank Servelli
6: of the Frankly Speaking podcast and the Daily Faceoff. How we doing? I'm good. Made it to another Friday. They let us get to a Friday. Mm-hmm. We're um, what Rutherford,
0: a week. Yeah, yeah. and, and we're going to get into some of those stories, but we're going to start with the Canucks. Um, Rutherford is an early mover. He's running out of time to early move. What do you think the chances are that, like we've seen in the past, last year with Horvat, and like Rutherford's done in the past, that the Canucks are going to be market setters and make the sort of big first big deadline deal.
6: Such a dangerous question to answer because the second you say it's getting late early, then next thing you know we get done recording this and there's a whapper of a deal that's completed.
0: <laughs> there will be a <laughs> lot of dangerous questions in today's interview. <laughs> yeah,
6: great. I should have brought a helmet for today's hit. Um look, I haven't heard anything front and center for the Canucks, but then again, this Horvat trade last year came out of the clear blue sky. So, um, you know, fully allowing some runway here, but it, you know, we're inching closer to the all-star break. February is right. is next week. I don't know that any of this constitutes early anymore. Mm -hmm. Are we we inching
1: closer to the Penguins making a decision on Gensel? They they keep losing. Um, like when are these teams going to start to decide whether or not they're selling?
6: It's funny that you said they keep losing, and there has been a, f- a couple games of late. But if you go back to the day that Kyle Dubas said, "I need until the All Star break," they played six forty hockey since mm. then. So mm. um, I, I would, you know, say that it's they're far from out of it. Um, that said, the All Star game mile marker was really just something to say because. Right they're going to use as much runway as they can. And frankly, this core deserves that given how much they've invested in it to just give themselves every opportunity before you pull the plug and trade Gensel. But I don't think there can be a half measure. Like, I I think you're either sticking with him and this is our guy and we're riding you through the rest of the year to see if we can get in. And if it takes until game 82, great. Or you're you're trading him. Like, I I don't think you can sit here and say, well, you know, should we extend him? Like, no, that makes no sense.
0: Yeah, and in Pittsburgh's case, uh, Florida Friday, Montreal Saturday, that may well tell the uh, story here, these mm. couple results that they have over the course of the weekend. Do you think the Canucks prefer the versatility of Lindholm over Gensel, or do you think they prefer the sheer offensive firepower of Gensel Consistency on yeah. a Pedersen way?
6: Oh, that's a, it's just a great, it's like, do you like Batman or Robin? I mm. mean, it, they're kind of like two totally different players and different lines of thinking.
1: I mean, we're I, all going Batman, aren't we? Are, are, like, are there people who will go Robin? Yeah, who go Robin, like, Frank? Is
6: Philly a Robin town? You tell no, me? No, it's not. You're right. I mean, Gensel is Batman in this case. Okay. Right? Okay. Lindholm is, the the nice, the really nice thing about Lindholm is, how much more complete his game is the different areas that he impacts your game. And I also really like about his, you know, if you look historically when he's placed with really good players, his production is way up. The reason why it's down in Calgary, you know, these last two years is because Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan left. I don't think it's because Lindholm just woke up and suddenly wasn't as good of a hockey player. He needs he he's not the guy that carries the ball, but he can finish for you. And if he's partnered with really good players, he'll exceed you know exceed expectations. So, for me, um, I understand why Gensel would be so attractive, and I I love the idea of adding another elite weapon. But I also I I think I'd prefer to have Lindholm to be honest. Yep.
0: And uh, as we've noted this week, Lindholm, a Jim Rutherford draft pick way back.
1: Who, when, who's your favorite Carolina. elite weapon. That's that you think is available. Like is it one of those two? Is or somebody, and it not maybe doesn't even work for the Canucks salary wise. But do you have a favorite player that, that is probably available right now?
6: I'm always along the line of thinking that less is more. And, hmm. and frankly, that's been Jim Rutherford's track record. Like he hasn't gone out and gotten the biggest fish. Sometimes it's about the best fit. And I love, you know, players that don't cost a ton relative to the rest that can give you just as much. Like, I think that's the real, you know, the secret of the deadline is go out and get someone that you find a market inefficiency in. And look at the last two cup winners, Vegas and Colorado. Neither one of them traded their first round pick the year that they won. You know they they found a great piece um to add to their lineup in Barbashev, Josh Manson got it he was for a second. Like I just I think teams go wild in trading their first round picks and top prospects when there's really no there's like the Canucks could just as easily get to the Stanley Cup final as they could lose in the first round. Yep. Nope. and that's, that's how life. good the West is this year, like. I understand where Canucks fans are at. I get how horny they are for this team to really go on a deep run and to, to be the aggressive, you know, bully at the deadline that, that throws everything on the table.
1: They just got their libido back. So they, it's been a while. So yeah,
3: exactly.
6: And I get it, but Mm -hmm. this isn't the year. Like to me, it isn't. I think that like your window is just opening. It's just, and I get, what's in the future. I get that you've got some, some penny UFAs coming up. Eventually I get that. You've got a big contract coming for Pedersen and eventually for Ronick, And I understand the whole cap picture, but my thing is this team right now has not had, they're not bullet tested. They're not, they haven't gone through the battle and those teams that kind of get their first shot at it. They rarely go all the way. Maybe if you're adding the right piece, I I guess you could. But I'd much prefer to be really, really competitive for the next 10 years as opposed to lopping off the last four.
0: Yeah, um, I guess Vegas would be an exception there. Went to the cup final in their first. I can remember that young Blackhawks team getting to the semifinals in their first run, but you're quite right, Frank. Usually you take your lumps before you progress. Great piece on Sean Monahan this week.
6: We And that I get what, roasted for that.
0: Well, well, I thought she explained it very well, in, in, including the examples you used of what middle six, low-cost centermen have gone for at the deadline, whether that was Stastny Goodrow or Andrew Kopp. Uh, and let's face it, um, in this market where there's only so many top six guys available and centermen available, Yeah, I can absolutely see somebody paying a late first-round pick, as you mentioned. You think the Canucks are in on that? Do you think that's something that would appeal to Rutherford and Alvin?
6: That's something that would make sense to me, a really intelligent player that, again, he's got more points right now than Elias Lindholm does this year. He has 11 in his last nine games, as I just updated my trade targets board that'll be out later today on dailyfaceoff.com, and I'm like... When you consider the cost, and I'm not talking about three years from now or five years, I'm just this next three month or four month window in time. How different is, is what you're going to get from Monaghan than Lindholm? Is it worth paying the super premium to get Lindholm? I personally, I don't see it right now. Uh, and I just said that. I just ended that last part of our conversation saying, I, you know, Lindholm's my guy. I'd pick him over Gensel. But with what Monahan has done with limited talent around him in teammates, plays power play, you know, first star of the game last night, making stuff happen with net front and bumper position, pen- kills penalties, fifth in the league in left handed centermen with at least 600 draws, 95th percentile in the league in high danger shots created. I, for a 29th, 30th, 31st overall pick, it fall like people are like, you're crazy thinking that someone's going to pay that for Monahan given his injury history. And I'm like, you're not asking him to be healthy for eight years. You're not even asking him to be healthy for eight months. I think you got. I think well, you got, and
0: also you fit them in without having to subtract from your team because of the salary.
1: I'm guessing you got you got some a pushback on that just because people just thought, oh my gosh, a first round pick, um, a late first round pick for that player. How much does the parody in the East certainly less a little less parody in the West, but it's pretty wide open. Like I don't think anybody sees the Canucks and and Jets at the top of the league and going, oh, those are your Stanley Cup kingpin contenders. Um, I I think who's gonna win the Stanley Cup is. Anybody's guess right now, and that makes the theory that I don't want to lay out big costs at the trade deadline because I could get beaten in the first round by the guy next to me quite easily. You kind of referenced this a, a little bit earlier. Like, are the costs going to be what we all thought they were? And, and I like five weeks ago, I would have wholeheartedly agreed that you know a late first round pick may make sense for a player with with Monahan's metrics. But if everybody's worried about getting ousted in the first round because nobody sees a, a real kingpin, does that keep prices lower towards the trade deadline?
6: I, d- I don't think so because no. look at look at the premium positions that we're talking about and then look at the relative lack of impact guys. I mean, we're talking about how many teams in the West, just in Western Canada, are looking for an, a, a center potentially. You're you're thinking about Vancouver, Winnipeg, Edmonton. I mean, that's that's just without leaving the country. Mm-hmm. What about Colorado and Boston? Like, there the price is still going to be driven up by the relative scarcity of these impact guys. That I think is is going to keep them kind of right in traditional ranges, which is why the comps that I listed for Monahan, Paul Stasny, Barkley, Goodrow, and Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, the O'Reilly up, up. deal might be on the high end of it, but if you look at, you know, sort of where Monahan is at in the year that he was traded, then those players were traded for first. Like you're talking about a player who's in some ways exceeding their productivity that they had at the time. So the the comp to me makes a lot of sense and more than that there's just so you, if your pecking order is Lindholm Monahan, who who's the next guy down the list? And that's really the difference is the opportunity cost between Monahan and I don't know a new guy that's being added to my board is Nick Dowd from the Washington Capitals. Wow,
0: we're going there. Yeah, well, we have watched his progress with Washington and mm-hmm. his and he's, time here with Vancouver. And as a low cost guy, he's very helpful.
6: Oh, team, I'm I'm not I'm not exaggerating. In preseason, as I was – I haven't even thought about trade targets yet. Three teams called me and said, hey, do you know what's going on with Nick Dowd, the Washington Capitals? Do you think there's any chance that they can move him when it comes to the deadline? Because they see the $1.3 bucks and they go, oh, Good this value. guy is ideal mm-hmm. and he's got one more additional year on his contract for term. Oh, like, we, we need to get our hands on this guy.
0: Right. Um, can you satisfy – Grady Sass's curiosity and let him know whether oh, Claude God. Giroux is available from the Ottawa senators. And if there's any way of prying Lawson Krause out of Arizona.
6: Uh, so I'll start with Giroux. I doubt it. Um, he, he's an odd like, well, he's from Hearst, Ontario, but his home has been Ottawa since he was a teenager and they are perfectly comfortable there. And I think not only that, that Sens team is really devoid of leadership. And I think to take him out of there where a bunch of guys have really responded well to him, and he's one of the only strong voices that they have, I think that would be a big mistake. And I also don't think he wants to go anywhere. So I don't foresee that happening. Um, when it comes to Kraus, like we heard his name pop up at varying points uh, last year. It was sort of Kraus and Schmaltz. Hey, what will the Coyotes do? Um, I think they're going to be selling when it comes down to it. At the end of the day, they've got some, you know, sort of, what would you call them? Short-term signings, the Matt Dumbas and Jason Zuckers of the world. But I I don't think that as, as attractive as someone like Kraus might be to a team, same thing with Schmaltz. Um, You're going about chasing your tail, I think, if you're the Yotes, because you create some real value that you get back in return, but then you've got to go out and fill that exact position. And you've got guys that already don't make a ton that are kind of close to fitting your age scheme and where you're heading. It doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense to create a hole just to have to go plug it again.
0: There you go. You satisfied? Last we'll hear of Giroud. Well, I
6: told him. I, we know Giroud's uh, wife. She grew up,
0: you know, steps from the arena. So uh, I didn't think there was a move. Let's get to <laughs> hey, some well, of these. Let me just ask him about Tarasenko, though. Okay. Um, Totally available. Uh, um, I, is... I'm
6: actually not convinced that he's available. Oh. Uh, look, I, I think the price is going to have to be right for Ottawa because another guy that they've been really impressed with, and yes, they haven't talked about an extension or anything, but he holds the cards here with the full no-trade. And last time I checked, his son playing youth hockey in Ottawa, not entirely keen on bouncing around. And another voice next to Giroux, I was told, the two players that have been very impressive so far in that room and what's been an awful season have been Giroux and Tarasenko. So take that for what it's worth. I'm not saying mm. they won't trade him. I'm just saying I don't think that's their first preference.
1: Let's look at these league wide stories that uh, were front and center. Uh, First of all, uh, April 5th is what they're saying the next update from police uh, in London. February 5th. Uh, February 5th, what did I say? April, yeah. Um, I wish uh, it was April. So it's a bit of a weird length of time to wait now for sort of the next chapter on on all this. Um, But those teams are still accruing cap hits for all of those players that have left. Um, What else should we know about the, the wait between now? And February the 5th
6: really just in a holding pattern. Like I understand the way that this world works. Now everyone wants answers. They want names. They want details. And just from, to give everyone a sort of peek behind the curtain, there's a lot of things that I talk about on this show that I think I know, right. Mm -hmm. We just went through some sends trade targets and talking about the Canucks. There's a lot of things that I know. I know but in this case, I'm not what I think I know. I, that's not reportable mm-hmm. when it comes to a sexual assault and criminal allegations. So, um, that's why you're not seeing anyone sort of make the leap until the London police service puts it on a piece of paper in front of me. I'm not comfortable saying anything, even though I hear things and think I know things and people want to connect dots that may or may not be there, um, Everyone's had their tinfoil hat on because they saw the ridiculousness in which the NHL put out this Salt Lake, in in conjunction with the timing of this. Yep. Uh, the press release and the NHL's own statement. They're thinking, okay, well, the next part of this, of course, is that February fifth just happens to be on the other side of the All Star Game in Toronto. It allows the NHL to sort of say, hey, we don't know anything, we can't say anything because. We don't have any details. I actually don't think that's the reason why there's a big delay of 12 days between when this story broke and when they're going to hold the press conference. I'm, I believe it has something to do with the amount of time that the London police service has given these players that are involved to surrender and report to police and that they really can't do or say anything until after that period of time has expired for them to present themselves. So yep. that's my understanding. And that's why there's been a wait.
0: If you had to guess, are the Arizona coyotes going to be the salt Lake city, whatever's, or are we expanding with a 33rd franchise to salt Lake city
6: relocation? And it comes this off season
0: that quick with a relocation fee, I would think.
6: Yeah. Uh, I have to the, the other owners, fee, the other I, owners I get
0: the, to wet their beak here. Right?
1: Oh, of
6: course. I, I made yeah. the joke that, Uh, I hope they get at least a couple bucks knocked off for the grossness of being associated with the NHL sort of misdirecting us uh, while this sexual assault has, right. you know, right going on, worth what's? The... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's got yeah, it to be worth. million that. bucks off would, of the off the, the fee. So. I would think, I would but think I don't know that that's necessarily. And, and, and so
1: right is. now they've got a ten that ten thousand seat
0: arena. Is that no, correct? Delta Center, baby, it's ready to go next
1: year. Yeah, it's right? where the
6: Jazz play, and it would be basically like the NHL has been set up in Brooklyn. And then previously, actually, coincidentally enough, in downtown Phoenix where the Suns played, you've got a basketball first arena that's modern enough, but where you'd have to have one end cut off right? because of how the rink would be structured. And so the Kings have played preseason games there. That's what it's looked like. And it's perfectly suitable for a couple years, certainly much more suitable than Mullet Arena would be in terms of generating HRR, which is really yeah. the name of the game. Right. And then the idea would be to step into a brand new state of the art arena in conjunction with being built for the 2034 Salt Lake Olympics. So right. maybe like a 2026, 2027 timeframe to get a new arena built. Um, and they'd have to kind of grin and bear it in a temporary solution until then at, at Delta center. And, so yeah. they, and that's
0: a great stadium plan for the owner there. They own the jazz too. They moved both yeah. teams into the state of the art new facility and, uh, and then they expand back to Phoenix and Atlanta
1: oh, for 33 and 34. Is that also in the offing? I you...
6: I think that just, I don't know. You just take your time and see what happens there. Do you believe in Atlanta? Like, what is, why? I is, I so mean, look, st- I covered games in Atlanta. I feel old saying that. Um, It feels weird saying that. Yeah. That I, you know, I, I've been to too many 10,000 and 12,000 seed games in in atlanta to really think that they deserve another crack at it and it's just right. it's not even a burgeoning like it's not a big youth hockey market it's not no. like i don't i don't understand it it's just Three a large
1: trips no way yeah. Come on. Uh, it's a large
6: it. u.s market that has a lot of advertising and media connections but yep. short yep. of that i mean you could just throw another dart somewhere
0: yeah yeah huge uh, head offices there and all that but uh has tnt is there yeah Coca Cola, this base there. Um, lastly, we told you this was going to be a dangerous interview. Oh, Are you I... done with all your Edmonton obligations today? I am. Okay. Well.
6: Well, actually, I'm not. Happen. I have one tonight at Oh, place. okay. Why?
0: Canucks or Oilers? Who's who's the better team right now?
6: Well, I mean, one's riding a 15 game heater.
0: One has Veto one, oh, and two in its last N.
6: Yeah, and one has slapped the other three times this season. Last Correct. time I checked. Mm-hmm. So uh until that changes, I'm gonna go Canucks. Oh. All right.
0: Grady, clip it, get it out there quick. <laughs> All right. We need everybody <laughs> in Edmonton to see that. He hasn't been in enough trouble this week on Monahan. Yeah. Now we gotta make him an enemy number one. Hey, I mean, that, that's just
6: I, I'm gonna need to wear a vest to sit down in my home <laughs> office because between criticizing the nhl over the way that salt lake case was you know displayed and and everything else their lack of a response to five players you know essentially being ordered to surrender it's been a banner week oh we didn't even talk about the brendan gallagher hit so it's been it has been tremendous
0: left that one on the cutting room floor uh, frank thanks for this until
6: next friday see you guys
0: Here's some price from Law Center. Presentation, Applewood
1: Auto Group. Applewood Infinity Langley has some sweet deals on some pretty sweet rides. You know, I've got a lot of kids. The QX80, I'd love to get into a QX80. 2023 QX80 has $10,000 in non-stack cash available onto it. Go ask them about it. Take a QX80. If you've got a lot of kids, a lot of gear to haul around,
0: Check it out at Applewood Infinity Langley. It's all good at Applewood. I was thinking about this. How far away are you from grandchildren? Can we not have that conversation, okay. maybe? Yeah. Because QX80 would be great for the grandkids. <laughs> no, thank you. Eventually. Have you? No, um, thank you. Have you thought about what you want them to call you? Grandpa? Grams? Grandpa, yeah. Grandpa? Yeah. Okay.
1: Can we just put this? To- I am 49 years of age. I do not need to be thinking about being a grandpa just yet.
0: Poll question today: A lot of people are just like, "There's people that are having kids at 49." I know. It's good good thing you got an early start. You're going to have plenty of great years with those grandchildren. How
5: old was Jim Rutherford? <laughs> honestly? Exactly.
0: That's right. Who's the better team right now, Canucks or Oilers? So you can vote at the Price on Twitter and YouTube. Let's get to hashtags. The best and best and worst of twitter.com uh big big news oh. uh in our
1: industry and for the sport of soccer and canada soccer because canada soccer has been laying in the weeds a little bit uh, not a lot to talk about for canada soccer for like uh like eight hours been it's been a few days so <laughs> since their general secretary said she didn't want the job At Joshua Clokey from The Athletic Breaking, Canadian soccer business is withdrawing broadcast rights to Canadian soccer from MediaPro, I'm told. CSBR Green MediaPro defaulted on majority of rights fees for 2023. Sounds like CSB could now share rights with new broadcast partners at Manuel Veth. The CSB is considering deals with TSN and Sportsnet after terminating their contract with MediaPro per source. One source stressed the major issue with OneSoccer was MediaPro's inability to work out deals with cable providers in Canada only TELUS carried the channel. So this is for the Canadian Premier League, but more importantly also the Canadian men's and women's national teams who do not have now a partner to carry they're all important games including one of their most important games on the calendar which is a month and a half away against Trinidad and Tobago to get into the Copa America so it's uh it's unbelievable it's it's good news for a lot of the consumers it's bad news for a lot of people
0: that work for one soccer obviously yeah. so thinking about them and just to be clear this is how Media Pro put out a release they said they invested 60 million dollars and they can't go any further, um, you're right about the Canadian men's national team and, frankly, the women's uh, yeah. national team and, and the big matches that are ahead. I mean, I have to think somebody steps up here, right? Oh, it is, somebody will step up. Be, uh, I'm sure both of the big networks want it.
1: Mm-hmm. What's the price going to be? Right. How is that evaluated?
0: And i got to say, um, I'd be gutted for uh, Pacific FC and Vancouver, those Premier League sides who have lost media distribution effectively what uh, on not the eve of their season but yeah, they start a little later than mls thankfully but, for them but it's still way late in the day yeah to be uh finding new media partners when you're announcing player signings and things like that with the season on the verge tsn has a
1: world cup race for 2026 it would seem like a better fit for them rather than the hockey laden sports net but TSN's mm-hmm. also got a couple of regional rights deals in the NHL as well, so their programming's somewhat full. It'll be interesting, but um, you know, people have wondered where can there be extra money uh, for Canada Soccer to spend on, say, ahem, a head coach. Well, a more lucrative. It's not going to be big, big money, but it will be more lucrative than the previous deal uh, with TSN
0: or Sportsnet or both. Um, that will be good for Canada soccer. At NHL.com, Alexander Dagg's life in hockey profiled in a new Amazon original documentary. It drops today, Friday, on Amazon. It's about the can't-miss kid, right? The chosen one. A first overall pick that people were convinced would be the next superstar in the National Hockey League. It did not work out that way. Many know the story, the pressure that was put on him, both from friends and family that he put on himself. How about this quote from Dig? My dad, at the time of the filming of the documentary, had six months to live, and we had a chance to get him in a week. That he was in great shape. Dig goes on to say, "That was good timing for that." But when I watch it back now, when those questions were coming at me with all those cameras. It's like I'm reliving it, and it's stressful, and I'm sweating at times. Wow. Uh, A a good reminder that you may have hockey genius, but of course that's not the only element of being a hockey superstar and how the other elements of it, and particularly being the quote-unquote savior of an expansion franchise that had been so terrible, um, weighs heavy. He, uh, he wasn't
1: on the vanguard of, um, of social media, no. but media itself, more traditional media and sports media in Canada in particular was exploding at that time. Mm-hmm. So he was at the start of, you talk know, radio, uh, of talk sports, talk radio. He was at the, you know, TSN had fully hit its stride by the time he was arriving on the scene in 1993, um, Sportsnet was still a couple of years away, but sports media in Canada was exploding. Traditional sports media, and so there was more than enough. If if he's eight years earlier, Matt, it's way different. Like you know, again, you were watching some. You were sometimes comfortable watching hockey games a day late. You know, eight years earlier.
0: When I was sick from school back then, I could watch the previous night's game. Yeah, I think they dropped the puck at like one p.m. Or something like, the like it was still day. charming media in yeah. the 80s.
1: By the time the 90s hit, it was kind of the mainstream media was kind of like what we see today no social media, but mainstream mm-hmm. media was kind of like so. Dig was really the first next one that got hit by that. And of course, he steps away from the game for two years and then came back and he had a 20 goal season no, with the Minnesota did. Wild. He,
0: uh, that part of the story is incredible
1: as well. Yeah. Nice little redemption arc there at the end of his career. And he ends up playing even after he's chased from the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he plays up until 2010. four 10? years
0: in the Swiss League, yeah. something like that.
1: Yeah. So good on him. It's a, it's a heck of a story. I'm glad mm-hmm. they, uh, they did that.
0: Well, and the other thing is, is you know, this explosion of content in documentaries, particularly with the streaming services, um, underpinning and, and distributing a lot of them, it's great to see some hockey documentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's so many on the other sports, you know, one thing the NHL has not done a great job of over the years, and that's telling its stories. Yeah, celebrating its history, telling its stories. Next on that list, CFL docs.
1: Yeah, great history there too. Well, At- that's why I love that
0: McGillney doc a few years yeah. ago that Sportsnet did about him. You know, the final minutes and hours of him defecting and escaping. And there was Croatia. a good was sta- extro- Stastny doc too recently, recently. I think. Yeah, a doc. shorter, yeah, yeah. Shor- Uh, At Max Bretos
1: Sports, incredible self-awareness from Klopp. How many managers would muscle through periods when it didn't feel right? Liverpool is five points clear at the top of the Premier League, by the way. Rewriting the book on how to do this. Jürgen Klopp with, uh, yes, Premier leading. Liverpool is is stepping away at the end of the season. He says his energy is waning. He says he's got enough right now. So he's like saying, I can get through the season. But he knows it's coming, this wall that he's going to hit after all these years of grinding it out.
0: Well, and an extraordinary story in this regard, not just because it is an extremely high-profile manager at an extremely high-profile club that is doing all that winning. But, you know, you've heard coaches say, uh, if you're considering retirement, you're probably got one foot into retirement. Yeah, yeah. That he's said this and going to coach out the rest of the year. Like, what will the dynamic be with the team? Like, do you have players looking at him going, well, first of all, going, hey, I may not have to listen to this guy much further. So have you undermined, has he undermined his authority? And then secondly, you know, players and others looking at him going, what's the commitment level here the rest of the way?
1: that's one way to look at it he's also jurgen freaking klopp and i think a a lot of guys say like he's a player's coach he's he's not quite pete carroll but he you know there's i think he's a he's a pretty progressive coach who tries to create a culture there i think they want to i think they want to win for him and send him out in style so i i think you could there might be a couple that wonder about their future the guys on the fringes might be wondering about their futures because there's a new guy coming in that's going to have a different opinion on them. but yeah, Well, uh, I mean, the assistants
0: think, typically, uh, you know, a guy yeah. like that is going to have a lot of people supporting him whom he is responsible for their hiring and aren't necessarily safe Maybe the, the, if he's no longer the coach. That so, TSN
1: Sportsnet money for the Canada Soccer, maybe it goes straight to Jurgen Klopp, huh? Mm-hmm. Or part time gig.
0: Uh, wanted to get to this at NHL underscore watcher. Dreger on insider trading. Jarmo Kekaline, GM and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Willing to listen on a couple of big names, guys like Patrick Line, Yvonne Provorov too. Line. <clears throat> and he's been hurt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think? <laughs> I don't think much of Patrick no. Line. 8.7 I... million uh, for two more years after. I used After to love Patrick lion No, I remember. Yeah. You were uh, team Line. a Is he going to be like a streaking comet in the hockey world who we watched at a young age and said, can't remember many kids shooting the puck like this guy shot the puck at 18, 19 years old, 44 goals for the Jets in 2017. 2018. I mean, still 22 goals in 55 games last year, but like he was nearly a point per game. He a point per game the year before that as well. Do you have any faith that he is going to get it back?
1: Well, even, even right now, the six goals in 18 games is a fine pace, and you got no problem with that at all.
0: Well, he's a half point a game this year. The, the points are
5: it's down. It's not but Austin the... Matthews' pace, which uh, no. used to be quite the debate. Matthews right. are lining.
0: Right, in terms of the best pure goal scorer. I'll be honest, at I, I, like... You yeah, don't I, go anywhere near this if you're the Canucks, no,
5: right?
1: No, 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 no. no. Um, he
5: just seems like one of those guys that needs a center finding oh, of course him he in the does. right spots. But without oh. that, he's but also, I hard just I wonder
1: about his. the attitude. I, yeah, I yeah. you know, he his it, character and, was fun in the early going. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I saw it being aloof, and he just seems like you don't know if you've got his attention at any given moment. I don't think if you're. A head coach, and he's now a couple of different organizations that have both, I think, come to the same conclusion that he's, he's just not always into it. We
0: were told the story prior to his drafting, and he was the second overall pick in the 2016 draft. That was in Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. We were told the story that at 17, 18 years old, playing in the Finnish men's division that, like, He walked into the dressing room with some swag, you know, like he was not exactly deferring to the older guys in the room. And if I'm not mistaken, he may have even played with like an Uber veteran or two who had played with his dad and he sort of was walking around. like. And early on,
1: I think that that did did well for him. Like, I I think it it sort of.
5: Was well, a de- it was a declaration had, of,
1: I'm ready. I can do this.
5: They had Blake Wheeler, Dustin Bufflin to kind of be like, hey, kid, shut up. Then he goes to Columbus, and he's dealing with torts. Right. And then now they try to make him a center. Yeah, which he's not. I, there, there'll be a team that see, recognizes the talent. And, and
0: unlocks them. Perhaps.
5: OK, perhaps
1: he's still perhaps. young. That's the thing. He's not an old guy. Hardest thing to do is Five
5: years of age. Put him in the right spot. Contract's a little tough for what he is right now, but I think there'll be a team out there willing to give him an, another shot. I'm out. That's hashtags for today.
0: But Jeff Patterson is our Vancouver Canucks reporter and there's been plenty to report this week. Jeff, how we doing?
4: Yeah, doing all right. It uh, kind of feels a little odd to have uh, an extra day between games to get into that rhythm of every other, but a uh, little break for the Vancouver Canucks before that final game before the big break, the All-Star break. So uh, one to go here against Columbus on Saturday. Night.
1: Jeff, they are zero and 2 in their last 10 games, so there's been a lot of adversity uh, to talk about here, <laughs> which is, and I say that tongue kind of in cheek, but it is true. If They're 8-0-2, and it does feel like they are facing A-level. Not a huge, though, but a level of adversity for some for some reason. do you think? Have you forgotten the last 10
0: years? Come on. <laughs> a coach says I need better from one
1: player <laughs> is adversity now. So do they pull themselves out of it for uh, this final game?
4: Uh, I think so. Uh, they better. I think it would make everybody's all-star break just feel a little bit uh, more comfortable as well. Look, it's a long season. Uh, they probably reached their apex out uh, in the New York area when they rolled through the Devils, the Rangers, and the Islanders, and they looked confident, and they, it was a barnstorming part of that seven-game road trip, and they couldn't be stopped. Since then, yeah, there have been some warts that have crept into their game. And you know, in a market like this one, everything gets covered with a, a fine-tooth comb, and if Elias Pettersson goes a couple of games without scoring, it is a story with a small s, it's more of a story when the coach says, I haven't liked this game for three or four now. Like, even Rick Tockett has to understand in a market like this one, when the coach says something like that, that's criticism. And when a coach criticizes a star player, I don't care who you are. That is a story at some level. Now, C
1: Kessler helicopter. Uh, exactly. Whatever. Yes. It's yeah. your
4: wingers. Yeah. 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 And so you know, was Rick talking issue with the way that the story was characterized in the marketplace. Maybe I have no idea how he consumes media. Like, I don't know if he's on his phone and scrolling through all the things that are said and written about his team. I don't know if they're placed in front of him. I don't know if he's talking to buddies out of market that are like, man, I hear you rip Patterson, you know, it sort of becomes that game of telephone, right? It and does. and mm-hmm. the other part of the complication in all of this is, and look, you guys understand this too, but the listeners, maybe not so much. Like, people write stories quite often somebody else puts a headline on that story now we live in a world where there's a third party to all this that takes the story with the headline and then puts it out there in social media usually with another headline and so you know is rick Talkett just seeing the headlines here are people just seeing the headlines are they going through the entire story so well, who knows i i i thought talking made a little too much of an issue where he felt too much had been made of the story. And my conclusion is that we all need the all-star break. I think yes. that's <laughs> what, it, what it boils down to.
0: Very good, Jeff. In my experience with pro athletes, those who do actually stay away from media and many will tell you they do. And about half of them actually don't. Uh, it typically is a family member or someone like that. Yeah. Something is typically lost in translation. Talk. It seemed fixated on the word blast. I don't know who put, blast in a headline or in a tweet or what have you, but I do think that blast is probably too hard and over the top for what we heard after the game against, uh, after the game against St. Louis, but you thought Elias handled himself particularly well. And we played the clips earlier in the show.
4: Yeah. I thought there was some maturity there. Uh, look, Elias can be difficult. People know that, right? Like, if, if there's a topic that he doesn't want to touch on, he generally just kind of shuts things down and and withdraws and gives you a couple of words and hopes that you you move on to something else. And, you know, he, he didn't seem to want to engage a ton in this idea of criticism and the coach calling him out or whatever the coach – whatever it is that we're going to agree the coach did. Uh, the coach hasn't liked his game for a couple of games now. But I, I thought – Elias handled it the way that I think at this stage of his career, he should. He, you know, didn't want to put it on the officials. Said, look, I watched the tape and there were a couple of things up ice that I have to do better, that I turned the puck over twice. And so I did think that there was some ownership there. And, you know, I I followed up with, okay, all of that said, do you still think you were fouled to the point that, you know, it could have been a penalty? And he said, yeah, maybe, but, you know, he wanted to turn the page. And I thought, good on him. Uh, You know, it wasn't his finest moment. But he'll have a lot more uh, good moments, and he'll help this hockey club. And I think Rick Tockett pointed that out as well, that you know, this wasn't a benching. He didn't park Elias Pedersen at any point in that game. He did that to J.T. Miller in a game against Nashville back in October. Uh, certainly the storylines with uh, Andre Kuzmenko, Nikita Zdorov was benched the other night uh, for the game against St. Louis. And as Tuckett said, Patterson was back at practice with a smile. I, I do think that they've moved on, and maybe for them, they would have preferred that there weren't these two days between games and we would all got back into the, the whole game day routine and just looked ahead here, whatever the case. That's the way the schedule went. But I, I thought Elias Patterson certainly didn't – he wasn't available after the game against St. Louis, and I, I'm not sure whose call that was. So I think he knew that as the central figure in the play-in question but also the comments of the coach – that he was going to be requested to speak to the media after practice, handled it, moved on. I think we've all moved on yeah. now.
0: Is uh, Ilya Mikheyev close to a benching or at least close to a demotion in the lineup? Oh, yeah.
4: This one's getting hard to, to sort of figure out because, sure, you need more from Elias Pettersson, but you look around the National Hockey League and look what Nathan McKinnon's doing, but he's got Mika Ranton as his running mate. You look at Kucherov in Tampa and he's got a whole cast of characters Uh, Edmonton, McDavid and Settle don't always play together, but uh, a lot of the time, like, yes, you want Elias Pettersson to elevate those around him. But at some point, I I think there's a cry for help from your star player as well. And it's why we keep talking about the need for a top six addition to this hockey club before the trade deadline. And back to your point, Blake, about, you know, even though they're humming along, there are still issues with this group. And one of them is that McCabe's gone 16 games without a goal. Now he had a chance the other night against St. Louis and he drew a penalty in the third period. So, you know, there were some contributions, but when you're playing it primarily with Elias Pettersson over the stretch of this, these games where he hasn't scored, he can't ask for more, but he's got to hold up his end of the bargain as well. And so Pettersson's got one winger that's gone 16 and the other guy on the other side in and out of the lineup has gone a dozen now and hasn't scored since Christmas. Like that's a lot to ask of, an elite player and so you can sort of understand why Elias Pettersson's gone a little bit quiet here since he's had JT Miller and Brock Besser moved from his line so as for McKayev, I asked Rick Tockett and I thought that was the other thing too that Rick Tockett kind of gave us that warning about you know if things are going to get misconstrued I may just shut down and you don't want that and then there were a couple of questions about the penalty kill and then I came in with a question about Ilya McKayev, and then he gave me this great answer about Ilya McKayev and all the things that are missing from his game and how he's staying out too wide and you know, not slashing through the middle of the ice and not connected with his teammates. And, you know, I do really appreciate and respect that from Rick Talkett that you ask a question and more often than not you get an answer and not just an answer, but you come away smarter for asking that question. And I hope we don't lose that. So, oh
1: gosh, no. Whatever I... the
4: case with Ilya Mikheyev, like, you can't come away from many more nights saying, oh, well, he had a chance in the third period. Like, this yeah, is uh... a bottom line business here. And uh, he's not a forty goal scorer. I get that. And so you go back to Ferraro's line about you know a twenty goal scorer. You're going to score once every four games. Well, this guy's got one goal in twenty games. Now uh, they need more from him. And I thought it was fascinating to hear Rick talk and say they need him to play more like Nils Hoaglander. And who would have thought that you know the coach would you know hold up Nils Hoaglander as an example of what uh, they need for veteran guys in this hockey club? But that's sort of where we are in this program right now.
0: Honestly, I uh, think Rick Tockett has communicated to this specific market as masterfully as any Canucks coach, in my tenure. And I hope he does. He was it. very good at one point, but uh, like for me, Rick is above and beyond because of what you say, Jeff. That he's willing basically to teach us all a thing or two about hockey, and also I just don't think he can help himself. Yeah, no, I, I, agree I think though. it's I a agree. bit of a hollow yeah. threat because I think he just loves. He likes to do it talking yeah. hockey and talking hockey with an audience and knowing that his views uh, will be
1: unless word came from above him and said, you got to stop talking about Elias Pettersson, but I don't. Well, think that that's I-
0: the other thing we right. were um, kicking around on yesterday's show, Jeff, you know, management has said what they want to say to message mostly to the fan base to, yeah, we want them. And we're, we're trying here now talking talks. Should they now just shut up about Elias?
4: Again, I think that goes back to Rick talking he can't help himself. Farhan asked him a direct question about Pettersson's performance. He gave an honest response. P.J. followed up with, you know, what do you need to see more? And that's when he said he needs to skate. And so, you know, I I don't think this was messaging from above. I think this was in the heat of the moment 10 minutes after a a disappointing loss where they had had the frantic comeback, got back on even terms. You know, one of the great mysteries around this team, guys, is the fact that they've been to overtime seven times and they've won twice. Like, with the star power that they're able to throw over the boards, uh, they should do better than winning two of every seven games that go beyond regulation time. Now, you get to the playoffs, three on three, shootouts, none of that really matters. But I just think on talent and the options that they have, that is a surprising statistic to me that they haven't been able to put the dagger in with that much time and space and with that much talent at their disposal. And I suppose every team's got enough high end skill that you're going to uh, you know, uh have opportunities both ways. And you think back the other night, like Philip Peronick had that great chance if he wins there uh that's what you play overtime for is to create the great a look you just have to finish they didn't and then you leave it to chance and in two of those overtimes Pedersen uh, i think has a legitimate case that he has been wronged without a call and the rangers scored on them and the other night st louis so i think some of that was just you know in the moment rick talking a little frustrated that his star player uh, turned the puck over ultimately it wound up in the back of their net and he was asked a direct question and you know he gave a direct answer
1: Zadorov's benching in the third um it comes with uh, an obvious six-player core right now on the blue line. We've, we've at different points in the season, prioritized, no, they need a, a defense, right shot defenseman, no, they need a, a top six forward, and people seem to be in the top six forward camp right now. But I do think they're still going to add to the blue line core before the playoffs begin. And let's say, and we'll, we'll need to know exactly the person that they acquire, but let's say it's a certified number five, maybe certified number six defenseman. Who's when they're healthy, fully healthy? Because Juleson's the most obvious answer in the current scenario. But Susie's back in the lineup under the the hype, you know, hypothetical here. Yeah. Who's the Who's the the player that drops out? Is, is it Zadorov? Is it Myers? Who's the common whipping boy in years gone by? Who, who drops out of the lineup because Zadorov's a left handed shot. I, I I don't know that they drop out the right righty in in Myers.
4: I don't don't think at this stage Tyler Myers is is a consideration to come out of the lineup. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that, I mean, disappointed for Susie that he's hurt again. But also, you know, we saw load management once, the game on Long Island. And I wanted to see, as the season progressed here, was that a road that they were prepared to go down uh, more than once? And if so, who was going to be next up? And would it always be Ian Cole or would somebody else come out of the lineup? Now, uh, with the injury to Susie, that sort of forced their hand here. Uh, interesting. And we've seen this before too, with Rick Tockett, they benched Zadorov 10 minutes before practice starts yesterday. There's Rick Tockett in the corner one-on-one with Nikita Zadorov, kind of working through some things. Now, usually Adam Foote is the one that's hands-on with the defenseman, but Rick Tockett, obviously the buck stops with him as the head coach. And so I just thought, you know, again, there's teaching moments here. The communication is open uh, trying to, I, I think, you know, head this off because before it comes any sort of issue, but yeah, I mean, look, Nikita Zdorov needs a contract for next season, right? And I think the way that they handle him down the stretch here may provide us some tells about uh, what they think of him as an organization, how much he plays. And then I thought it was fascinating too that as practice unfolds, now Zdorov's paired with Noah Julson essentially on the third pair, and they've moved Ian Cole to a partnership with Tyler Myers. So uh, it's a full off day for them here on Friday, and we'll see how they line up against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday night. But Ultimately, it may turn out that it wasn't just benching, that it's a bit of a demotion for Nikita Zadorov too. And look, he was pretty weak on two of those St. Louis goals. Like, he's one of the biggest bodies they've got. Uh, He has to bring a physical element. He has, but, you know, it can't just be here and there. And you can't have guys standing on the ground in the blue paint, uh, unscathed and untouched, and allowing guys to get to the front of the man. I mean, that's part of why he was acquired And so it's been a bit of a mixed bag. I think he's had some nice moments for this hockey club, but I I still think organizationally they're probably not sold on committing to him in terms of big money and and, Mm -hmm. and sort of significant term here. So I think that this is still very much a a work in progress.
0: I disagree with the premise, Blake. What's that? Well, (laughs) no, that they're going to add a five, six defenseman. I think you're looking at a seven, eight defenseman. And it's because they only have finite cap dollars. And again, we have talked about not wanting to subtract from the lineup. So I just see another depth guy coming in. And you'll have Juleson as your depth guy on the right and a depth guy on the left. Now, look, Taniff is such a um, wild card here because he's so beloved, because Hughes has gone to management and said, hey, love this guy. Um, so I get that part of it. But un- unless there's a Chris Taniff, a sensible Chris Taniff deal, to be made, I I'm looking more at a depth guy, Jeff. I don't know how you see it.
4: I think that they have proven that this defense by committee that the committee is pretty good. That the committee is pretty strong, particularly when factor Demko is at the top of his game, and you know all of this is predicated on full health, and there's no guarantees there. But Carson Susie's injury should certainly permit him to get a bunch of games in before the playoffs begin, and the hope is that uh, he's left the injury bug behind. I still think that, based on some of the things that we said earlier, the Elias Petterson struggles on his own. The issues around uh, McKeever and Kuzmenko. Like to me, the hot button is a top six forward. And if they have cap space and if they've got the capital that can help them add a depth defender as well, like there's nothing wrong with having a wish list, but. There are parameters, and and I just don't know that they can tick off every box there. So to me, the primary need for this hockey club right now is one more scoring forward, and then uh, if they can, yeah, I would agree with you. And I think Matt, you're probably right that it's uh, you're looking at a uh, probably a veteran guy that understands why he's being acquired and is prepared to play, but also would be prepared to to be an extra uh on a lot of nights here moving forward so we'll see where it goes mark friedman's sort of an intriguing character to me and that he's here but uh they haven't shown any inclination to playing him since the Zora. he hasn't played since the vegas game on november 30th i think it was they got him down to abbotsford for a couple of games just to get some reps in because he is a hockey player and not just a, a hockey practicer but you know they've shown no indication that they've tried to get him into a game at any point here so uh, you know, I don't really know where their trust is and they're, I mean, you know, they were in a bit of a pinch early in the season when they went out and they acquired him and he stepped in and he gave them a few minutes here, but you know, he exists, but that's kind of all he is right now is, uh, he's a person that exists on their roster. Um, and you know, I don't know if they feel they need an upgrade there. If they would be trying to bring in somebody that's above him on the depth chart, of course, he's a righty. So maybe they would be looking for a little insurance over on the left side. Uh, I, I think they go into the deadline with a wish list, but for me, Uh, It is uh, forwards over defensemen at this stage. One one thing to
1: consider on the TANF thing is he does have a 10-team no-trade list. Now, we don't know when that gets asked for and
0: provided, but if he wanted to... I hope they have that sorted for this deadline, given what happened (laughs) last year with the Senators. But,
1: you know, often it's in the moment they ask for a 10-team no-trade, and if he can guide that, um, I mean, he can block a lot of uh, logical destinations and funnel, um, you know, the, the Flames to the Canucks effectively and say, you know, it, like he can knock off almost every playoff team and, you know, and, and put them on the list. And if they want anything for Chris Tanev as a mm-hmm. pending UFA, he, he can drive the price down a little. Bit. Well, no, Can, we, can uh, we
4: reverse engineer that Thanksgiving weekend of a few years ago coming out of COVID? <laughs> can, can they yeah. bring back Chris Tanev and Tyler Tofoli? Can right, they right. make Perfect. that work? That would be
0: perfect. Uh, We should also note Tanef uh, and his uh, missus have picked up and moved their home to Toronto from Vancouver. They were here in Vancouver in his early years in Calgary, but not not anymore. Uh, Lastly, Jeff, our poll question. Who's the better team right now? Edmonton, Vancouver.
4: uh, I know the hotter team, and that's saying something given the Canucks record of late, but... Uh, it is interesting. I mean, this Oilers win streak is fascinating because there's lots of people have pointed out they beat nobody essentially, but those are all the teams that have been scheduled. And, and this is what excites me guys about coming out of the all-star break is there is so much meat on the bone for the yeah. Vancouver Canucks, but also for all these other teams in the, in the Derby here. And so there is just going to be uh nightly heavyweight matches essentially in the western conference basically from the all-star break to the end of the season canucks are going to be involved in a bunch of them uh but look the oilers seem to have shored up the goaltending again they haven't faced a murderer's row here but Stuart skinner the numbers there are undeniable and you know i i guess i thought maybe they had solved the goaltending before the season and then we know that they ran into issues but uh skinner seems to have uh regained his confidence and his role there i i think what's different and i'm not sure how closely people have been paying attention to what the Oilers are up to uh the win total obviously jumps off the page but it's the fact that it's not like Connor McDavid with 50 points on this win streak that you know he's contributing on a nightly basis but Warren Fogel's had a nice run and uh you know Ryan Ryan McLeod yeah Yeah. and so you know it's kind of like the Canucks here that yeah their top end guys are driving But they're getting some depth scoring that people question. Could they? Would they? Uh, You know, the defense is still, I think, a little bit of the uh, the position that's in the crosshairs there. But you know, they uh, they're not giving up much. So, uh, like, it's uh, we're in Vancouver. We cover the Canucks. I'll cast my vote for the Canucks. But it certainly feels like any lengthy success in the playoffs is going to run through the Edmonton Oilers at some point. And what a fascinating. Uh, matchup that will be and what a time it'll be to be alive if the Canucks and the Oilers uh, are on a collision course in the postseason so uh, the Oilers are the hotter team right now and then they've got uh, I think they've got one more before the break and then they're in Vegas their first game out mm-hmm. of the all-star break uh, to try to keep that win streak alive so when I talk about these big games uh, there's one of them right off the hop coming out of the all-star break, yeah. uh, the Golden Knights and the Oilers. Well,
0: thinking of it this way, guys, uh, we've talked so much about all the goals the Vancouver Canucks have scored this year. In fact, a lot of them against the Edmonton Oilers. They got the four guys who are point per game players right now. Vancouver does or right in that uh, neighborhood. Well, in fact, yes, all of them over four points per game in Miller, Besser, Petterson and Hughes. Edmonton has three guys who are above a point per game. And then they have Bouchard and Nugent Hopkins who are right on the cusp of being mm-hmm. point per game players. So think of that, Jeff. Nine guys potentially in a playoff series who are all a point per game over the regular season. It could be. Well,
4: three. and just a, a quick note, too, when the schedule came out, and obviously the Canucks took advantage of the others three times in the first dozen games. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, is the Los Angeles Kings got off to that great start. The Canucks don't see the Kings until Mm -hmm. February 29th, and then they've got four left. Like, the timing couldn't have worked out any better, getting the Oilers when they were down, and then avoiding the Kings when they were at the top of their game. And now, all of a sudden, uh, the Kings can't win a game to save themselves. So, those may turn out to be softer games on the schedule than anybody would have anticipated, even sort of up to Christmas.
0: Marvelous stuff, Jeff. We'll be listening to Rinkwide after Saturday's game against Columbus, and we'll catch up with you on Monday.
4: Have a great weekend.
0: Take care, some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. You can text us seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's gonna be great. Get back to some hockey here in a second. Uh, first on football, I saw a friend, Captain Bell of the News Tribune in Tacoma yesterday, writing about the fact that well, Raheem Morris is the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He had had a couple of interviews with the Seattle Seahawks. Then, of course, former Seahawks assistant Dave Canales, hired by the Panthers. Dan Quinn has a second interview with the Seahawks. He's got a third interview with the Commanders. And Seattle and Washington now are the only teams still looking for a head coach. Is it possible the Seahawks could lose out on their top two guys? Like, Quinn goes to Washington, Morris goes to... Atlanta, and now you're picking from one of the inexperienced head coaches that you've brought back? A bit of they're a condemnation wow. of something. I don't know what they're well, and, losing you know, out know John Schneider's never done this before, and Jody Allen has never done this before, but I'm starting to get a smidge nervous here for the Seahawks and the way they've gone about this coaching search, and of course, the other big topic that folks are uh, talking about with regards to NFL coaches is that Looks like Bill Belichick is going to be on the outs. Taking a year off. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. You know, he was so great during that NFL Network top 100 players of all time. I do wonder whether NFL Network or someone like that um, brings him aboard for this year because he's such a football nerd. And, you know, you almost never heard Belichick speak at length with passion and enthusiasm And yet, when he was in a third-party evalu you know evaluator's role, looking at the league and the history of it, which he also was, he animated. He was anime, He was extraordinary. Really, like he was jumping in on guys like Chris Collinsworth, and it was just it was an entirely different Belichick. So, I'd be down for that. I'd love to see him and Pete in media roles talking about the game next year. I like San Francisco and Baltimore, but it's uh, quite tepid. Where are you this weekend on Championship Sunday?
1: Um, I will go Baltimore, not because I want them or necessarily in my gut, believe it, but I just feel like Lamar Jackson's going to have another deep run sometime in his career. And he's playing so well this year, this should probably be that right. deep
0: run. Better from the pocket. Yeah. Beat up Kansas City offensive line, really pedestrian. Receiver group from Kansas City. That's the thing. I think so, that's what
1: they go do in the off season is they get some more targets from Mahomes. Oh, for sure. Um, so if this is a, if, if this is a buy year, if you will, for the Chiefs, I I wouldn't be surprised.
0: And uh, yeah, I'll take San Francisco. Remember, to. this could be uh, the last Travis Kelsey game if they lose.
5: Could you know, be. Which reported. is be. why the NFL wants Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl. Oh. And anytime you get the Chiefs oh, with points. You take those right. points. It's still three and a half. Four, four.
1: Mm. Do you see the conspiracy about the uh, referee too? No, the referee. The no, oh. the, referee, the, uh, the they keep giving the Chiefs this one referee that calls the most fouls against home teams. Mm. Oh, see,
5: it's rigged. It's rigged. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just hope the good people of Baltimore treat Taylor. And the Kelsey box. Uh, oh, I'm sure they will. With uh, respect. Maybe Jason the, will be the there. The Buffalo people were extraordinary, it must be so. Yeah, sure. All right, let's get back to hockey. Lachlan Irvin has been working with us for the last few weeks. He's been writing at Canucks Army since October 2021. And you are working on a Niels Hoaglander piece. Pray tell.
7: Yeah, so um currently I'm working on a story just about Nils Hoaglander and um, what he brings to the Canucks, even in kind of the limited role he he has currently. Um, you know, looking at it back into like his rookie season, I actually covered um I covered Nils Hoglander's rookie year for my Botchrid project piece that I did back in oh, yeah. that would have been twenty twenty one. Um just in how he was adjusting to the NHL in a very weird year to be an NHL rookie, especially when you're not from Canada. So, and like seeing how he's grown in that capacity, obviously he kind of had a little bit of, it's been touch and go in the last couple of years for him, but now you're seeing kind of what he's able to do, even in a limited role when he has the trust of the coach to go and play at five on five, you want to see him get maybe more opportunities. You think he's probably more deserving to play some power play time, at least maybe on the first power play, they've had Suter there for a couple games. games. Uh, and just, ju- and just want to like, touch on, like, all the things he's doing right, especially because there's been talk of, you know, might they trade him to get somebody yeah. else? Well, I,
0: it's been a big couple of weeks for Hoaglander. You know, the head coach comes out and says about, how can how can I not trust him? You know, I, and he goes, of course, two goals against the Leafs. And, yeah, so are, are is Hoaglander a, com, a complete no-fly zone for you on the trade market or in a specific situation for a specific
7: player? Would you be willing to put him in play? I think you'd have to. It'd have to be somebody that's almost not a playoff rental to me, because I think that the value that Hoaglander has f- right now for the Canucks and w- and what he can do is something you don't want to just trade for a guy to play twenty game like twenty regular season games in the playoffs, right? If 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 it's a guy who. All right, he's coming in with some term, and he's like a clear upgrade for your top six. It's a, it's somebody who's gonna Lawson Krauss. exactly. Yes, totally Lawson. Are Krauss you on for the Lawson sure. Kraus
0: bandwagon with them? Do, they've
7: been too much of time, of time together. Together and yeah. Scheme. I can't say I'm like I, I. I wouldn't say I'm like on the necessarily on the the bandwagon for bringing in Lawson Krauss. However, I will say, um, uh, my my friend Cody and I, uh, Cody Sievertson and I, we've ha- we've actually talked with uh uh, uh the Lawson Krause's wife before about their Halloween costumes. I should say Cody oh, has, whoa. and so insider they're v- scoop. They're very, they're very, like, mm. and the, they've had some interactions on Twitter. Costumes so for sixty, rate so high. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. they they absolutely do. Yeah. So, uh, and I and uh, uh, so we like Lawson Krause for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it has to for any for any excuse to trade Hoaglander, It would have to be somebody who is coming in with some name. Name recognition, right. some value. He just religion. turned twenty three. Turn. He just turn.
1: turned twenty three.
7: Yeah, he's got so much more. He's got so, mu- so much. There's so much. What's for his him. ceiling? Is he a top six winger in his career? I believe he can be. Yeah. I. I mean, we saw kind of in in his first year that he can play. When you put him with those top guys like. Peterson with Besser Horvat what have you that he can he can hang with them and he can and he can improve their ability to put the puck in the net and to create offense. It's kind of crazy guys.
0: Like he turned 23 uh, like, like well, 6 well. weeks ago. No, I know. I'm like a
7: lot
1: of guys are just arriving uh, in the AHL playing a year and getting into the league uh, after that. He's got Almost 200 games no, under know. his
0: belt, and, and I'm with Lachlan, and I'm with what Craig Button told us all those years ago. Bill Nils Hoglander is he's probably he's never going to be your primary scoring option like first line winger, but he does enough things well, and he's such a dog on the bone. I think he's absolutely going to turn himself, and I think he's going to be one of the best four wingers on your team. You never would have said that about Alex Burns yeah, though a talk- long time ago too. No, exactly. It, like it just wow. I don't know that we know what. No, and there's more pedigree is. here too. Too yes. obviously amateur, you know, based on the amateur career. Okay, we uh, can't let you get out of here without answering the poll question. Better team right now, Oilers or Canucks? And do you want Edmonton in the
7: playoffs, Lachlan? <laughs> like, do I want Edmonton? Like, if I'm the Canucks, do yeah. I want like, Edmonton? do you want okay. to
0: see Canucks Oilers in the Stanley Cup playoffs?
7: So I'll say right now, as of currently, I will say I think you know when you're playing when you're winning 15 games in a row like clearly you're doing something right and obviously the Canucks like they're still winning plenty of games but you know the last few games have not been necessarily they haven't been at their peak of of the of their talent right like the going back to early parts of the season you saw them like you saw clearly them just dominating in every level. So now and now they've kind of come back down to earth a little bit. They're having some trouble with some uh, with teams like uh putting away teams like Chicago uh and obviously St. Louis the other night. Um so I think As of right in this exact current moment in time, Edmonton's playing better hockey. However, I don't think that necessarily means the Canucks are not the better team of the two. No, that's fair. Depends
1: on where your Zoom is uh, Mm -hmm. zoomed into, right? Exactly.
7: Exactly. And I think if it did come down to a case of, oh, it's Canucks and the Oilers in the playoffs. Yeah, I would want that challenge for the Canucks. Because if you have the opportunity to play two of the best players in the world and prove yourself on that stage... Why wouldn't you want that opportunity? Why wouldn't you want to take down like a Connor McDavid or a Leon Drysaddle? You don't want to avoid them. You want to no. show that you are the better group out of the two. The confidence well, high they would
5: get exact. going into that uh, third round matchup against the Central man. You just beat two of the best players in the world. Everyone thought they were a Cup contender at the start of the year.
7: Whew. Yeah, if you Bring do it that, on. Well, if and, you do and, that, it makes Winnipeg look way easier to beat when you get there. And answer me this. You're how old, Lachlan? Uh, I'm 26. So that
0: 2015 series against Calgary, is that the only Canadian playoff series with the Canucks that you remember? Because, I, you know, that was the thing about the Smythe division is you would get these Canadian playoff on the matchups. Yeah. You know, like we had a great run against the Chicago Blackhawks. That was a lot of fun for a three-year Period, but there's you know there's nothing like a Canadian city. You want to know that the, the other, other cities city is as oh, invested oh as you God. are. Yeah, you don't That's get that
7: thing, sh- right? with the U.S. matchups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I will say I remember parts of the t- the 2004 series against against Calgary. Okay. I do remember that. I remember. Uh, seeing Alex Ald in a bunch of, in a bunch of games in, in that series. Jovo
1: jumping up and down in the box. Yep, yeah, yeah.
7: I remember I remember that, but obviously I wasn't. Obviously that was before Twitter was a thing mm. or a lot of social media stuff. I would have been 2004. I would have been, uh, I guess, probably like I think six. I think mm. I was six at that point. Oh, okay.
5: Um, Were you getting cars to drive over Calgary Flames jerseys in your uh, local neighborhood like I was?
7: <laughs> you know, I can't say no, I was. I maybe know. with was Hot just you, Wheels. Gritty. Maybe Hot okay. Wheels, but oh no, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the twenty fifteen series uh definitely was that was the the last time the Canucks the Canucks made made the playoffs. I graduated from high school. Uh that very, like, a couple months later. It's
0: just incredible. It's yeah. like a whole generation doesn't remember playoff so, games. So, Lachlan,
1: just to go over it, they play what could be seven games. Um, you have to win <laughs> four of the seven games, and then you're permitted to go to the next round, where, again, yeah. that process is repeated. Yeah,
7: I, you, look, you got okay. that? I rem- yeah, I yeah. remember the 2011. Like, I, I remember all of the Luongo playoff runs and everything. So those are where okay, the, good, the ones that good. were obviously – the ones I have the most fondness for and most memory of during that time. uh But for my entire like, I've been writing about the Canucks in some capacity since 2015, and I the 2020 playoffs are the only ones. This is the only time I've ever yeah. forgotten to write about a, a Canucks team in the playoffs. Yeah, well, we look forward. to
0: we look forward to reintroducing yes. this market to the Stanley Cup playoffs in April. Absolutely. First time in nine years. Thanks for all your help around here, buddy. Good job here. Thanks, Lachlan. Thanks yep. so much. Lachlan Irvin of Canucks Army. Poll question results from Thursday, Blake. We asked, are you okay with Rick Tockett's critique of Elias Petterson? Yes or no? People said. Uh, people said yes. Yeah, they sure did. 95? 95. 95. On 2,400 votes to... You that's guess. how much equity this head
1: coach has. And I hope the coach uh, he's made us see our poll question, but that's the sentiment. Like, it's okay to say what you said.
0: Well, look, um, I, I'm not sure how the Canucks communication team operates now. I do know how it used to operate, and particularly with Alain Vigneault, but I believe Travis Green as well, although I think in Travis's case, he was individually aware. I knew I know Alain used to get briefings like, okay, here's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. here have been the topics. Oh, by the way, you know, ten forty ran this poll, and this is these were the results, and so so. La knew, yeah, when he walked into those media sessions. Lance wants to know, uh, given that his passes and shots are both missing, is he injured or tired? I know people have looked at icing that hand on the bench and whether that's anything. Telltale. He had big games after that, though. No, that's right. Yeah. Mike says as long as yes, as long as he also acknowledges that he was probably the best player in the NHL for two weeks prior, and that. That yep. is the thing. Yep. Um, uh, Ken says, Talkit is trying to get PD some motivation to win that $1 million at the All-Star game, <laughs> which uh, may well be the case. And let's read one more here. Um, uh, Adrian says, uh, not sure this is a $12.5 million player.
1: Well, again, he's he's not in the same tier as Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. Like, no. oh my God, look at the pace oh of McKinnon. McKinnon is destroying the league. He he needs to go up a league. Um, and
5: underpants are being thrown on the ice for him.
1: For, for heaven's sakes, good I'm Lord. ready to throw mine. Uh, you know, like it's <laughs> he's that good. That's where you reserve the the top echelon money. But he is just behind that. So in the new economic Structure of a of an escalating cap. Maybe that still is twelve million though.
5: Boxers or briefs. Boxers. Yeah,
1: you know, supportive.
5: No speedo. Oh, okay. So yeah. the hybrids. No.
1: Well, like the the sport the yeah. sport boxer. Yeah. yeah.
0: Not the bloomers. No.
1: No. 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 I'm okay. not for the 1940s woolen bloomers.
0: Mm-hmm. Errors and omissions from Thursday's program. I have but the one. Grady Rob Williams called the Helmick. Helmets, chrome, and of course they're supposed to be called metallic.
1: Well, well, what again? That, that, that's like saying that a certain color isn't blue; it's you know Pacific blue or something like like that's just mm-hmm. what that's you don't. We're trying to be descriptive. They are chrome helmets, not metallic okay. helmets. I so did you're metallic
5: blue slash chrome in our descriptions, yeah. oh. pleasing both sides yes. of the argument. Oh, yes. okay. Thank you, because I am a fair uh, media member like that.
0: All right, betway bets of the daytime. Um, I'm too chicken to take Baltimore laying four, and there's not a ton of value on the money line. But as we've talked about with Kansas City, that offensive line, the two tackles who have trouble all year, and now Joe Thune, the all-pro guards, hurt. To me, that makes Mahone susceptible to pressure up the middle. Justin Matubike, who has had a terrific season for the Ravens at defensive tackle, he's plus 225 to get a sack, I think they're going to be at least a play in the game where the Ravens get tons of pressure right up the middle, and Matt BK has been right in the center of all that. So plus 225, Matt BK to get a sack Sunday in the AFC Championship. I don't know
1: what brought my eyes to this, but I saw the CFL button, and I went over there. Uh-huh. And given the Lions have been able to retain a fair amount in free agency already, is this value? The Lions at 6-1 to one right now, they're double what the Argos and Bombers are getting right now. You know, does that seem
0: reasonable? Yes, it was my Betway pick of the day two days ago. So. It was? Yeah, it sure was. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that does seem reasonable to me. <laughs> Boy, so Harrison does. Price really like the Lions at six to one to win the Great Cup. You did
1: Great Cup winner two days ago. What brought your eyes to that?
0: Um, I didn't want to bet tennis. We were still a few days. <laughs> We were still a few days <laughs> out were, from the from the NFL. You were anti tennis, okay? Uh huh.
5: Almost like I need to All start right. keeping track of these bets and see who's uh, the wilder. How about, or the about maybe Blake here. should?
1: How about the Ottawa Red Blacks <laughs> getting Dominique Rhymes? Oh yeah, I'm not sure I'd go there. Twenty nine hey. at the bottom of the
0: barrel. Must be nineteen plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: you can. Well, you can watch us on YouTube, 1130 every morning. Of course, subscribe on podcast to us, Rinkwide and Canucks Conversation. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.